0: Starting a new class, um, I'm going to be going through evidences. Um, so, kind um, of introduce it a little bit, and I hope uh, we're kind of down a remote. So I'm hoping this is going to work. Um, otherwise, we'll just. Um, there are a lot of illustrations that are going to go, go with this uh, this class. So, uh, I want to turn uh, to First Peter 3:15. I think it might be Second Peter. Uh, and this is the premise of our class. I believe 1 Peter 3.15. If someone wants to read that.
1: But in your heart, set apart Christ's Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. He gives the reasons and hope that you have.
0: This is judgment and regret. Okay. So, um, we're going to look at two elements of this verse uh, as we as we start this up. Come on, baby. You want to work for me? you want me to it? Yeah. Uh, I don't quite have the range. It worked earlier, but it doesn't want to work for me now. I'm wondering if...
2: Oh, I think I know the problem. I mm-hmm. Oh, hey. That's enough.
1: Be prepared to give
0: an answer. Uh, so being uh, prepared to give an answer tells me two things. Uh, the first thing is that, um, well, first of all, we know that our hope is based on something. If you want to click one, one slide, that might be why. I don't know if that was in the way or something. Let's try it. There we go. Our faith is... Established on material truth. That's the the basis. If God is telling us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within, He is assuming that there is an answer to give, right? Um, God has not given us a faith that cannot be explained. Um, I suppose there are things in our faith that can't be explained. I can't explain to you how Jesus walked on water. That's that's not. Explainable. That's why it's called a miracle, right? It's not explainable. It's outside of our realm of understanding. Uh, but we begin from the premise that the things that I believe generally have an answer. The second thing is when he says, be prepared to give an answer, it presupposes the idea that I'm going to be asked the question. Um, we should be expecting the question. Well, why would I expect the question? What's that? Why should I be expecting a question from other people? Okay, one is that my life... Right, I should should be visibly different. What else? One other important aspect. Okay, I, I should be talking about it. Not everyone knows. Uh, one of the things that we talk about is that you know people should ask the question because they see that, that our lives are different. That's not anywhere in the Bible. God expects that we are talking about it. God does not expect that people are going to initiate the conversation. God expects us to initiate the conversation. And in doing so, people are going to respond with some questions. And in those questions, we are required to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Now, uh, the next part, the second part of this, uh, come on, there we go. He says, sanctify God in your heart. It's technically the first part of that. Uh, We're handling it second. Um, So, I'm treating God as special. That's all that means. Treat God as special. Treat Christ as special in my heart. Um, come on. I am waiting a remote, but it went home. Can you advance, Becky? Can you advance that for me? Okay. Hey, it caught up. It's going to be a little slow today. Um, so answers which any answers that I would give that would diminish God defeat my purpose. That's the first thing. Um, Give an example. Well, some some people in in giving an answer will say things. Well, you know, the Bible's not always accurate. That sounds like an educated response. There are some times where where we've learned things and the Bible's not
2: always accurate.
0: At that point, we should close the book and go home because if that's the case, if we're diminishing God, then we've defeated the purpose of. The hope that lies within. What we're saying is that the Holy Spirit is not capable of inspiring the perfect word. So what's the point? I have defeated Christ. Beyond defeating the Bible, I have defeated God. I have I have given an argument that defeats God. Or uh, people will say, well, the, the Bible's not always relevant to today. You know. They're, they're, it, it was in a culture back then. Uh, there's all sorts of topics that, that come into play uh, when people are talking. And, and well, that, that doesn't really mean this or... or, or it's not really relevant. That, that was in their culture and in their time. And, and, and we want to soft-pedal you know, soft the difficult bits of the Scripture for people. Well, don't I serve a God that was capable of seeing 2,000 years into the future, or don't I? See, I, uh, eventually I defeat God in some way. And if, if, if I think my answer out, and, and think of it this way, are my answers defeating God? He says, sanctify God in your hearts and be prepared to give an answer. So, so any answer that I'm going to give that doesn't set apart God and say, I, I can't defeat God in any way, otherwise there's no sense in giving the answer. Right? So, um, and it's also important that we remember. He says, set, up, "Set apart God in your heart." It's not just in my mind, but in my heart. What are the motives that I would not set apart God in this? What are the motives that I would start hedging?
2: Why would I do that?
0: Okay, I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty smart sure what else why do people hedge i mean some people are so educated that that they're they're too smart for simple truth okay who's who am i around it's it's uneducated position and and the majority doesn't believe it, so I want to fit in with the majority or I want to fit in with my peer group, whatever my peer group is. I kind of want to hold on to my religion because I was raised with it and I'm, I'm used to it and it's customary to me. But I don't want to go over here. So, so we start hedging things and, and trying to manipulate things to fit in with the people I'm around so I don't make waves. right? Sanctify God in your heart. My motives need to be kept in check. I need to understand my motives. Why, why am I wanting to... Just kind of massage this uh, this teaching to fit. Set apart God in your heart. Now, our faith has a lot of aspects, so there's a lot of different types of answers. So, I don't know how long this class is going to go. Not every answer that we will discuss will appeal to every person. Some people are really what really blows them away is science. Or, or things like that. that really, they really, other people could not care less about science. Right? Uh, all sorts of people, and it depends on the topic that we're talking about. Um, so it might be practical application that really more influences a person. Um, we're going to get a little smattering of, of a lot of different things as we go through this. Um, but one thing is, sure, you can get to heaven on your own without evidence. You can. I don't think it's a good plan. You can do that. There are some people that never question anything. My parents taught me this. I've accepted it. And they will never depart from it. They will accept. And that's fine. And you can get to heaven that way. There's no problem. You will have a very difficult time bringing anybody else along with you. Because you can't give your faith to somebody else. They have to develop their own faith. Um, And I say it's not a wise choice because Jesus taught that that's not a wise choice. Jesus said, you know, uh, if you don't have a faith in you, if you don't have a firm rooted faith, there are two things that are going to pop up in your life that are are going to challenge that faith. You know what they are. He told the parable. One is cares of this world. There's going to be a point in time where things are very attractive. And they will challenge my faith in what I don't see, right? And, uh, the other is times of difficulty. Times of difficulty when I can't, can't see God, that, uh, that I will start to question things. Why, why did that, why is this? And it's in those moments that it's good to, Repeat to myself and go over those notes right? this is why I believe that those are challenges preachers go through these questions sometimes we look at the world and go why why is that and it's good to, good to have that so um, we want to talk a little bit about uh, bad logic Oh, before we do that, I want to talk about truth just a little bit. Yes, thank you so much. This was working, but not very well. <laughs> um, that's truth. And uh, as we talk about bad logic... Um, Let's try that again. This is my design. Those look pretty good, don't they? They look good. We want to be parallel with the scriptures the problem is, is that that's off just a little bit just a touch now you wouldn't have known that unless you were OCD like me and you could have seen that from your from your sheet yes. that line goes approximately a sixteenth of an inch every six inches it separates which means if now I couldn't do that because that's going north and south but if we turned it 90 degrees and you followed that to uh, Milwaukee, about 20 miles, you would have to run about a fifth of a mile between those two lines. As time goes on, as we start applying out even a small mistake, we will eventually affect big things. It's important for us to be accurate. We are the pillar and support of truth. Um, And if, if... you see the importance that is placed upon us. And, and think about that not so much in linear, but think over time, over thousands of years, as, as people make mistakes and not, not intending to. Not, we're not even talking about the people that want to make mistakes and have bad motives. We're talking about accidental mistakes and we all do them. I look back at things I've taught and go, man, what was I thinking? How many people did I affect that now might have that as a, a tenant of of their beliefs that I can't go back and change. I don't know where they live even. That 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 places a, a strong, uh, you know, impetus on us to to know um, our faith. I want to talk about two bad arguments of the many many bad arguments that we fall into as we avoid bad logic. This is called the first one is called the endless line of crimes, which is. Uh, if I have enough bad arguments, I still win the debate. All right? It doesn't make a difference. There are people that debate and their, their, their line of reasoning is that whoever wins the debate is the person with the most toys. You know, the, I've got 50 arguments. They could all be bad ones. So if you argue and you're like, well, that's wrong. And then they run to another one before you even finish that one. They run, 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 run. you ever been in a conversation like that? It's like, Trying to nail down jello. That doesn't make you right. Give me one good argument that you can't defeat. Give me one good one. That's the way to approach. Avoid uh, and, and be aware of people who argue with lots of bad arguments. Uh, the second one is circular reasoning. And by the way, Christians use these a lot of times. These are arguments that, that I've heard and, and methods of reasoning that, that a lot of times Christians use to try to defend something that's true. We talk about the existence of God. Uh, so, so for example, well, how do you know that God exists? Well, I trust the Bible. How do you know that the Bible is the Word of God? Well, because God inspired it. Okay, but how do you know that there's a God to inspire it? <laughs> <laughs> we start going around. It's like, you haven't proven anything. You've got to introduce something concrete into the conversation that establishes a point. So, what's the typical thing that we would do at this point if we're, if we're having a conversation with someone who's not a Christian? What is the first thing we try to do, typically?
2: What would you do? I'm yoga, science. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: A lot of times, it, I think that's a, a better way. Or depending on the person, like I said, there, there's different people that that appeal to different things and kind of get a feel for for things. But typically, what we will do is we will establish the premise of the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible. Prove the Bible, and we will. Uh, we might use science. We might use history. We might use archaeology. We might use statistics. Prove the Bible. Then, then, we, can, um, then we can prove all those other things. And it's, it sounds good, but the problem is, is that it places all the pressure on one point, and that is, can I trust the Bible? So all someone has to do is attack that linchpin and... It all falls apart because I've, I've got all of my faith and all of the things I believe are are hinging on that one point: the veracity of the Bible.
1: Part of it is your that If you're having an argument, I with a non-Christian. Right. it's Probably the best
0: thing would be just ask and look at their perspective, and help them them. Right. The right. So, so that's that's what what we're going to do is not this way. I don't begin. I used to begin with the Bible. I don't begin with the Bible. Unless they're there. Uh, this is how I begin. Uh, I begin with God. Let's talk about God. Just generally speaking, that's where we're going to begin here with the time we have left. Then prove things. And so what you do when you do that is a couple things. First of all, uh, each point is independently built. It, it, it's supported on its own merits makes it much more difficult to argue against because you can always back up the next step and say, what about this? Well, what about this? You've got, to, you've got to take me down pin by pin by pin all the way back, right? That's a lot. I have a much more sturdy faith because... So, so we're, I'm not even going to talk about the Bible. Our first class isn't even going to reference. I'm, I'm going to begin with a Bible verse as a premise but not in order to prove anything. We're going to talk about God uh, Romans 1.20 says that, uh, that people who didn't even know him could look at the things that were made and come to an understanding of God. They didn't have any understanding of the Bible, yet they could come to a conclusion through the things that were made that God existed. So we're gonna, that's, a, that's a good principle uh, to begin from no so, so the other thing that this does is when I'm talking with other people because it's not just good for my own faith but in talking with other people where are people at they might already believe in a general concept of God so you might not need to be so begin you, you can begin where people are at just like Philip in the eunuch. beginning at this point he taught Christ to him so this helps you to, to know each individual thing and be able to just plug in okay this is where this person's at now I can begin talking with them. So, uh, so we're going to go through just the existence, uh, the existence of God. Now uh, I do want to handle a common objection to to this. Uh, when we talk about proving things, some might have said, "Well, what's the what's the point of proving things? Does that not invalidate faith?" So proving things invalidate faith. What's that? Okay. So some people, but some people said, well, faith and proof
2: are opposites.
0: If you prove it, you, you don't really rest on faith. God never offers, opposi- uh, uh, um, uh, God never refers to faith and proof as opposites. He refers to faith and sight as opposites, that's an important thing in that, you can find that in 2 Corinthians 5 7 so you can factually prove something to be true but you still kind of have to rely on it on faith don't you I mean, there's still things that, that I can know that yeah I know that uh, planes fly and you can explain to me trust and lift and I still place my trust that this hundred ton or whatever piece of steel gets up in the air and goes down That's still a level of trust and it still makes you a little nervous every time you do it right
1: even if you know that
0: well cars are more dangerous than planes you can tell me all those facts it still makes me more nervous than a car right so there's still a level of trust even though I know things uh, so we want to talk about the arguments for existence of God and uh, we won't get through all of these probably but we'll just go until, until next week until right. so we run out of time, and we'll just pick it up. And I divide these into a couple of different areas. And the first, we're going to begin with basic. Um, and these are logic arguments. There's a lot of them. Not all of them are good ones. I'm just picking up the ones that I think are good ones. Like I said, some people use bad arguments. Uh, bad arguments aren't worth anything to me. They may be interesting, but in the end, I don't use them because I, I don't believe in the endless line of drums. Uh, Logic. Uh, Give me just a couple of good ones. Uh, So, the first one is the argument from change. Um, What is that? So, everything in the universe changes, right? You change. And you're undergoing all this change. From the time you're born to the time you die, you'll change. Now, the thing is that you... uh, don't have inside of yourself all the things that are necessary for this change. Right? You are acted upon by lots of other things that, that exist in this world. I, I'm reliant upon sun. I'm reliant upon all these other things. So many that I can't possibly take them all into consideration on a daily basis. Just all the things that are acting upon me people right you are a product of what other people have put into you i'm just i'm a part of a component here's the problem is that all those things are also changing right so so there's all of this and it, it, this is going to stay up until you start getting dizzy but if you think you're getting dizzy you're only watching five things think of all the myriads of things that that take in this universe And they're all changing, and they're all working interdependently, but none of them possesses all the things that they need to change themselves. Right? Well, how do they all exist? How do they all change? They all have these needs, and they're all needing something else. And it kind of comes back to that same endless line of junk. What's the... It's like, can, can, a, can this endless line of things, can there be an unlimited number of things all being mutually supporting each other?
2: No. it is impossible.
0: There must be then something that exists that is not dependent on other things and at the same time supplies that foundational need that all other things rely on it's not constantly changing it has all the things in it that are necessary for its own existence you can call that lots of things we're going to call that god when i say god i'm just speaking loosely i'm not talking about the god of our bible necessarily that's built on a different level we're in a different level when we talk about that we're not even talking about the Christian God or the Hindu God or which God, we're just going to call that God. Just the basic concept of something that exists, there there has to be something out there. You know, the atheistic world is looking for something out there. Why the Hubble telescopes? Why the space exploration? Why all this other stuff? Intelligent... Life elsewhere. You know, the scientists are never looking for really stupid life elsewhere on other planets. They're looking for intelligent life. We always assume that everybody out there is smarter than us. I don't know if there's Martians, but no one goes, oh, these a bunch of cross-eyed idiots on Mars just waiting for us to show up. No, they're always buzzing around in the top secret things and they're taking us back and investigating us. We always assume that life out there, wherever it is, is smarter than us. We grow blindly looking for God. And he's not far from each of us, Paul says. 2,000 years ago, Paul basically is identifying this evidence. The second one is similar to it. This is the argument of cause and effect. If you have questions, by the way, stop me. Because there are people that will challenge you. Well, what about this? What about that? Any questions before we move on? I think an
2: interesting part of that is it's also a scientific principle that says all things without energy being applied will invariably descend toward chaos. Mm-hmm. In other words, they will decay yes. or what? And that's the complement to that is it takes two units of order, energy applied as bringing order to something to produce one unit of right. result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're to take more energy to bring order than it does to maintain order. Mm. And so this, you know, this is what I get into a lot of times when I'm talking to the, to the person that needs to be introduced to God doesn't really get it. <laughs> Because you can have this conversation about, yeah. right around, you know, if, if all of a sudden life ceased to exist, every tree would die. So right, would be, right. Right. Or, or, right. And think about the amount of you
0: know probability that this could just happen. Right. And so, so the the order that we will handle those that that comes under what we will talk about a design argument, and we'll go through a bunch of design proofs like this. Uh, we'll probably get to those next week. Uh, so I'm just beginning from basic philosophy. This is more philosophy than science. It, it, so you could, some people really love philosophy some people it's like, really boring gotcha some people go philosophy and science is really boring and they just want to get straight to the practical stuff and, and that will be that will be um, and you can kind of break down typically by gender what things interest people um, not always it's funny I was, I was uh, at uh, I went to school last week where our kids are we talked about some of the, like, one of the history assignments, and I'm like, you, you got some bogus information in the history assignments that you sent home <laughs> my daughter, she's, my daughter's just not rising. she's trying to get a good grade on the test, and, and, uh, she goes, and the teacher goes, you like history? I'm like, yeah, I do. She goes, I hate history. She's like, I couldn't care less about history. <laughs> but she's like, I think it's, I think it's, I think history's a guy thing. <laughs> Just, like, I think you're right. My wife hates history. My daughter hates history. It was like I don't know girls that just love history. Um, I know that there's exceptions to that, but but it just seems that there's there's certain typical breakdowns, you know, uh, that that you can that you can find. Um, so let's talk about the cause and effect.
2: Cause and effect is
0: works similar. The universe is finite. That means it's limited. We would have to prove that. So we're going to prove that first before we get to our, our evidence. So let's use cause and effect to establish that. Everything that happens has a previous cause and has following effects. In other words, if I, you know something just doesn't randomly fly across the room just because, right? Something made it do that. You drove in today, you saw a tree. We're missing a branch. There's chiropractors. Hey, something happened. What happened? We could figure that out. Right? There was causes. There were following effects after that cross. right? And, and if you would have been here, you would have seen the causes and the effects.
1: Things don't just randomly happen.
0: What's that? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Um, however, we have a law of cause and effect, right? Well, I exist. I am a unique product of causes and effects. You are a unique product of unique set of... And some of the causes and effects are similar. But from the beginning of history, there has been a specific... Thing and line of events that has produced you as you are. And I don't care if you're twins, you have a separate set of things that have produced you. That's kind of cool to me. I should not exist if the universe is infinite. Right? Because if I presuppose, let's work this backwards, if, if there's infinite amount of time in the universe, there always needed to be something before to affect this because there's an effect. That means there's an endless, limitless number of things that had to happen to make me. No matter how we do that, we just keep moving it down the conveyor belt, and there's just one more thing other than that. Boy, but i will give you an example. Uh, as I was doing my my uh, my house last year, or working—well, last year. I started on the siding. Let's do the siding. Let's make it look nice. You get two sides done, and then I ran into uh, the front, I had a number, seemingly infinite number of things that had to be done before I could put the siding on. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I have to do my deck. To do my deck, I have to get a permit. city's going to frown driving by, seeing that much construction on the front of my house, so I have to get a permit. To get the permit, I had to relocate the gas line on the front of my house. So I can't do it. Now, it's got to go. To do that, I have to... I the driveway. Now, to move the driveway... Actually, no, it's the driveway. Then to move the driveway, then I have to do that. to build. And it was like, I kept on backing up the steps that I have to do to put the siding on the house. The siding, it's like April, May, June... July, August, and I have to keep on backing things up because there's always another thing that has to happen for the deck, for the sighting. Imagine that endlessly. The deck, the sighting could not go on. I could not exist because there would always be one more thing that needed to happen, but we're here. So that means the universe is not infinite. It has a start. It has an end. It's not infinite. It's finite.
2: There's
0: a problem with that. We have a law. The law states that every cause has an effect and every effect has a previous cause. So now we've got a conundrum. We've we've got this catch 22. We have to have a beginning of the universe. But we can't have a beginning of the universe because every cause has to have something that caused it. We can't just have all of a sudden the universe said, I'm here today, right? That can't possibly have happened. We know there's a first cause, but every cause has a previous cause, so there must exist a cause that lies outside of our universe that is the cause for the universe. It is outside of the universe, so it's not subject to the laws of that universe. (coughs) It's not subject to cause and effect. That means it doesn't have to have always exi- it doesn't have to have something that made it happen. Because people will always. The argument, what's the argument if I give cause and effect? What would you argue? If God created everything, who created, who created God? God does not exist within the universe as being subject to it. He is not subject to the laws of thermodynamics. He made the laws of thermodynamics. He's not subject to the law of cause and effect because he made it. He's not subject to gravity so he can walk on water. He's not subject to the laws of the universe. He made it. And so cause and effect doesn't apply to God. There has to exist. Again, we're going to call it loosely God. We're not going to talk about which God. That comes later. Uh, the last one, we've got a good time here. Um, the last one is, uh, that's supposed to be argument three, but the argument from contingency. I didn't give these titles. Right? They're not my titles. Basically, stated, things come into existence and they go out of existence, right? Everything. I once was not here. I once will not be here. Everything comes into and goes out of existence, even if it takes a long time. Stars come into existence. They go out of existence. Everything is on this arc. So, what we say then is that It is possible, it has to be possible then, for all things to not exist. Or stated another way, non-existence is a real possibility for everything. I can not exist. And that means that there was a point at which um, all things did not exist. If we go back long enough, because we've talked about a finite universe, we go back in time there was a point at which non-existence was the real possibility for everything. we yeah. have a problem here. The problem is that nothing should exist. Because from nothing, nothing comes. Right? Law of thermodynamics. That's the law of our science. In our universe, That is, things do not come into and go out of existence on their own everything is independent. You see, all these are really related. They're just different applications of one concept. But things do exist. And we are here. For eternity, things did not exist. And then suddenly, they're here. That is impossible in this universe. So, there must exist something in the universe that does not have non existence as a possibility. Does that make sense? Did I? <laughs> okay. I kind of. <laughs> I cannot exist. It, 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 if we look at that line of causes and effects and you remove one of them, I would not be here. Just one of them. It is possible for that to have happened.
1: Right. It's
0: all the the same thing. There has to exist something that doesn't have that possibility to not exist. This is easier in Russian because they're used to double negatives. Um, You have to use double negatives in Russian. Sometimes triple negatives. Um, There has to be something that... That can't have just a random choice and it didn't exist. That gives real existence to all those things because all those things for an eternity weren't here, weren't here, weren't
1: here, here.
2: What?
0: It goes against every law of nature that we know. So there must exist something that's above that law of nature uh, and that can only God defined as we will define it later but has to give causes and effects It has to give all those things that we need has to give the chance for existence this is what the world is groping for this is what the world is searching for I know this is kind of, that last one's a little complex. I've weeded out some that are really bizarre. Um, to try to come down to a couple of simpler ones. Uh, any thoughts? Um, first of all, do you even get a discussion with somebody? I
1: mean, Yeah. they want to know that you're stable to start out with same in any relationship and even Jesus shows that when he went to that kid he says, come on down and come coming to your office right. he didn't start telling that kid he was doing stuff wrong with so right right that. right so that's the first thing the second thing is I never like to use the word argument I usually like right. the word the <laughs> because argument and I understand you're using it in a different context here right. but when I'm talking scripture it can't be an argument Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So I always want to make sure the discussion sure. is not an argument. Then the third thing is, you know, people will tell you, again, it's knowledge. Einstein, if you read on Einstein, when he came up with his mathematical theory, this is possible for there not to be a god. Right. But you've got to take the time to read that stuff to find out, I think smart, one of the smartest men in the world. Just because people don't want to relate it for about it out that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. And then back to the truth. The truth is yes. two plus two is four. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, theories and everything added up, and it came out to the truth because it was proven. Right. You know, and that's what, that's what you have to stick with the next year. Because if you start going by theories, right. and you go by it's the same thing as opinion, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be a lot Right, personal. yep. So you got to take time to know the knowledge and stuff. The and same thing is true. It's really not over the top of your head. Anybody no. read what Einstein did and they put it in simple theory and they put it in simple form to know that he didn't believe in the demigods but he believed the in God. There had to be because mathematically right. it's impossible to look at the first thing right. and that's the way you got to go and you got to look for the truth. So, yeah. Um, was Einstein an atheist? He was He started out as an unbeliever. Uh, right. And by the time he got done it, and the same thing with uh, he just passed away um, Hawking. Hawkins even though Hawkins would have lived even a few more years later, you were walking towards the point of the same thing as Einstein yep. the reason I got into it was because Hawking said Einstein didn't believe
0: in God either and I'm like wait a minute you, it, what that is, is uh, and, and this, this happens to a lot of on both sides of the argument is people you quote people at different points of their life and, and you pick the quotes you like. There are people there are people that moved away from it and, and Christian will quote the early quotes and not the later quotes. It's like he didn't end up there.
1: Uh, Mark Twain did not
0: die a, a believer. He died an atheist and
2: you're going to have to live with that.
1: When you read that, that's what you Right. He said, no. And I'm like, I know what I've read and in God. Right. right.
0: And, and, and to be fair, Einstein did not end up devout Christian or anything like that. He, he, just, he, a lot of those people kind of loosely believed in God and did not want anything to do with religion because of what they observed in churches at the time. So that was
2: the cause of a lot of. But we are over time, so I will pick this up. <coughs>